your goals do have to scare you. I mean, you know, you read about this a, a lot and all the time, but I genuinely believe that if it's not scary enough, if it's not hard enough, if it's not keeping you up at night, um, it's not, you know, it's not going to change and transform you. Honestly, the night before I couldn't sleep, I woken up at 5 a.m. thinking, should I do this, should I not do this? And I was just like, put your shoes on. You know, that's, that's all I would tell myself in training. Every day when I would want to quit, I would just be like, just put your shoes on. And then the next step would be, okay, just get, get to the training center. Okay. We make things so hard for ourselves because we think that we can't, you know, everything that's ever been achieved has just like, either we think that it's happened overnight or you have to be like extremely skilled, talented, etc. to make it happen, right? It's this belief that because you are a certain kind of person, only then can you train yourself to be or, or you can achieve success or, or do new things, which I think is just, it's just habits and just discipline. I go with what makes me happy, with what excites me. Uh, I'm a very, I find um, joy in the process. What up, peep and peepettes? Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Next Move podcast, where it is my job to deconstruct some of the most influential and successful people in India and see how they are doing it. And in this episode, we have Pooja Dhingra, who is so many things, it's hard to categorize her into one, but she's an entrepreneur. She's the founder of Le 15. She is an author of several best-selling books. She's a podcaster. She's a social media influencer. I, it's, it's incredible the amount of energy that she has and how she's able to accomplish so much in such a little amount of time. And that's what we discuss in this podcast. We really discuss how on earth she sets all these ridiculous goals to start businesses, to write books, to run marathons, to start podcasts, to give a speech in French, even though she has very little background in French. We'll get into that in the podcast. So it's it's truly incredible how she's able to do so, so much. And we deconstruct what are her habits and routines and how does she set up her goals for the upcoming year? How do the goals come to her? How does she choose what she wants to do with her time? And when she has so much opportunity, how does she focus? And we, we also get into you know, some of the failures that she's had throughout her career. And I think from the outside, a lot of people would see Pooja Dhingra and would say, wow, it's, it's nothing but success. But she's had her fair share of failures and, and she dives deep into one and, and it, it was during COVID and, and how she got through it. So I think you're really gonna love this wide ranging, action packed podcast with Pooja Dhingra. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Pooja, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> of course. So to, to, to the, yes, to the listeners, uh, we had a little technical issue before, but two is my lucky number. So I think this is going to work out well. Well, three is my lucky number. So I hope that we won't have to go. <laughs> of course. So Pooja, um, 
you know, you're so many things. You're a baker, you're an entrepreneur, you're a podcaster, you're an author. Uh, you do a ridiculous amount with your day. And I want to ask you, because while doing research for this, I was just thinking the entire time, how does one person have the energy? So how do you, I know this is a vague question, but how and why do you do so much with your day? You know, honestly, I feel like I don't. Like it's, it's, it's I, I think it's the way you approach things, right? Like I feel that, um, I used to have days that were completely disorganized, that felt overwhelming, that felt like I was trying to do too much in one day, maybe like three years ago or four years ago. And then I slowly started changing the way I looked at time management and the way I started looking at my days. And I honestly break them up in a way now that, you know, maybe the first half of the week, I focus only on one or two things because I know that I can't do more than that. And then the other half of the week, I'll do something else so then over time and over a few months suddenly it'll be like oh now I have a new book coming out and the second season of a podcast and new product and all of these things but it's all been you know stretched over time so it's not like one day and suddenly you're like you know though I did have a 17 hour day yesterday and I was exhausted by the end of it but <laughs> most of the days are, are quite are, are, are busy but they're not overwhelmed so and then again, this is just a random question. On average, how many hours are you working a day? Um, so pre-COVID, that answer would be very different. It was four, 12 to 14 minimum um, pre-COVID, but obviously COVID changed a lot and changed the way I was thinking about things. Um, and the one thing I decided that I, that I didn't want to work in that fashion anymore. Uh, so since July, um, it's been maybe nine, 10 hours, nine hours a day. Yeah, nine, 10 hours a day. Well, and, and are you seeing the difference in dropping from 12 to 14 to nine to 10? Do you feel like you're doing more actually with your days? Uh, I just feel a lot happier. I feel less guilty because I've kind of, you know, I, I'm the kind of person that needs to constantly be doing something. Otherwise, I feel like I'm wasting time. And I feel like I, if I'm not working, I'm, you know, it's, I don't know if most entrepreneurs go through this guilt, but I'm like, oh, my team is working and I'm not working. So I used to feel that guilt a lot, which made me feel like I needed to work that much harder. But now I'm like, you know, you're human and this is how much you can do. And this is when you work and then this is when you don't. And that has really, you know, I had to teach myself how to do that. That's awesome. And, and you're right. I think, you know, there's always that guilt where if you're just watching a TV show, you're thinking, you know, what am I doing? I could be doing this and that, but you know, actually you need that refreshing time. And that, that goes on to my next question of, you know, you, you're also, you, you've talked about setting goals and I, I love your goals because they're both personal and professional and you do all these crazy things like run a half marathon and stuff like that. So how do you decide what you're going to do with your year? What, what is that? What does that process it look like? Is it random? Oh yeah. It's not, it comes, yeah. It just comes to me. It's I've never like sat and decided that this is what I'll do this year, but at some point something will happen and I'll be like, this is drawn, you know, this is, I'm drawn towards this. Um, the marathon was something that I wanted to do before I turned 30 and it just, you know, it happened. Uh, learning French and giving a, a speech in French 
was one of the things I did one year and that also, you know, like somebody called me up from uh, France and they were like, we'd like you to come and speak to these 5,000 small business owners. And I said, yes. And then later they were like, oh, it's going to be in French. And I was like, oh, and then they said, but we'll give you, you know, it's a year. So I said, okay, I'll do it. You know, and then that became the thing for the year. Uh, I wanted to always dance on stage and I was, you know, petrified of it. So one year I said, this year I'm going to do hip hop classes like jazz funk. And at the end of it, I'm going to do a, a performance. And I loved it so much that I did it for three years after. So it's, um, you know, I feel like these things come to me. The big one is to climb Mount Fuji, uh, which is, um, yeah, which is, uh, I don't know when that's going to happen. It was supposed to be a 2020 thing, but clearly it didn't happen then. Uh, but Mount Fuji is the big one, yeah. That, so that is very interesting. Now, this podcast is a little bit tactical, so it gets very specific into these kind of things. So let's let's take the French example. So you had to learn an entire language in one year, and that was your goal for the year. So how do you go about... To be fair, I mean, to be fair, I did, it wasn't a language that I didn't know anything about. I, I knew some basics. I did study French in college in India, but I mean, learning French here means, you know, it, it doesn't mean anything. You learn it once a week. But I did, I did live in France for a year. I did live in Switzerland for four years. So I was, I, I'm very good with picking up languages anyway. Like, um, you know, that's my sort of strong suit. I can sing a song in probably 10 different languages, but I just, I love it. Um, and um, so I, 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 you know, I had a year for it. And then when I decided that I'm seriously going to do it. The first thing I did was I got a French tutor. So I knew like my class, my schedule is crazy and I needed someone who could just keep up with what, you know, what my, my time timelines are like. So I got a really great French tutor who taught me three times a week. So I would spend an hour with her uh, three days a week for almost the whole year. And then I, that's how I actually got into listening to podcasts. Because I started, I was like, you know, I, I travel these distances between work and home and I'm just sitting there doing nothing in traffic I let me use that time to learn something and I was like oh let me see if there are any French podcasts and that's when I kind of found like you know your learn French like five five minute like word of the day and how do you conjugate something and I loved it I loved the medium and that's when I fell in love with podcasting actually um, and yeah so I did one year of watching everything on Netflix that was in French uh, listening to as many podcasts I could. Uh, my uh, friend um, at the time who was working with me in the cafe speaks French fluently. So really like practicing with him, harassing him every day with the same questions over and over again. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, it was kind of um, easy in the manner that it was 12 minutes that I, I actually had to speak French for. And I had the questions that they were going to ask me. So it was... Um, you know, it was, it was, uh, they did kind of throw me one or two that I wasn't prepared for, but I could manage to answer them anyway, but I was prepared. So it was, uh, I think more than just the French part of it, the, the, the actually mortifying part was that stage of, you know, in front of 5,000 people. That was kind of, I think even if I had to go give a speech in English, there would be really challenging, but then not being able to kind of, you know, fluently naturally just go with what's coming into your head was was difficult but now now you know anything after that is just like piece of cake like i'm just like oh i have to give a, a i did something last week with the canadian embassy and whatever and i was like okay i'm gonna you know 
I took 10 minutes before the talk and I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to say. And I was so easy about it because I was like, if you can do, you know, another language, then English is easy. That, that is awesome. And I, I took French for eight years. And I think the entire thing I can say is comment tout appel. And I don't even know if that is right. I say it like that in France. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, how do you say it then? No, like, I mean, you know, it's, it's so bookish, right? Like you never kind of, you never yeah. in normal conversation be like, you know, comment tout appel. You know, <laughs> yeah, that, see that. That's it. I, I'm awful with languages, but I love that, you know, it's, it's kind of like getting out of your, your comfort zone. Is that kind of the thing you always set a personal goal on top of a professional one? Yeah, I think that, you know, your goals do have to scare you. I mean, you know, you read about this a, a lot and all the time, but I genuinely believe that if it's not scary enough, if it's not hard enough, if it's not keeping you up at night, um, it's not, you know, it's not going to, change and transform you uh it's just gonna be yeah okay i did this but i remember so clearly before the marathon the the first the, the two weeks before the marathon i couldn't sleep you know i was just like i wasn't a runner you know i was it wasn't something that i i was that came easily to me um and it was just i'd only ever done like five or six kilometers before and now i was going to aim to do 22 you know which was kind of crazy but um i honestly the night before i couldn't sleep i woken up at 5 a.m thinking should i do this should i not do this and i was just like put your shoes on you know that's that's all i would tell myself in training every day when i would want to quit i would just be like just put your shoes on and then the next step would be okay just get get to the training center okay so i just like just put your shoes on and i and i did it and like i said it just like it it, it's not for anybody or anything. It's just for me to remind myself that honestly, uh, when you put your mind to something, you can achieve it. So it's, it's reminders that I put for myself every year. I'm like, Hey, what can I do this year? Wow. Yeah. That's like running, running a half marathon is, is absolutely no joke. How long did you take to prepare? To be fair, I didn't run the whole thing. I kind of like crawled. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it was painful. Um, but yeah, it was just, for me, it was not about the time, but it was just about finishing it. Even if I had to like, you know, someone had to like drag me across. I was just like, I need to get this done. But yeah, it was, uh, I, I started training for it. Um, three, four, three and a half months before the actual marathon, which is not a lot of time for someone who doesn't run at all. And um, it was quite interesting, the whole training process. I had a very tough teacher, very tough you know, trainer. But um, yeah, I look back at it. Would I do it again? I don't think so. <laughs> but, uh, but I learned a lot from, from that experience. Nice, nice, nice. So I, you know, my next question is, so you have all these personal and professional goals, right? And then it gets down to the day, right? It's, it's the 21st of January, tomorrow's the 22nd. How do you decide what gets done based on your goals in the day? Do you have like a notebook at the start of the day where you write your to-do list or how, how do you go about that? Um, I think I have a basic idea of things that I need to do for the month or for the quarter for work at least. So I know that in this quarter I need to achieve X, Y, Z, and then I work backwards and break that up by month by month saying, if I, for example, I started work on my Valentine's Day menu in 
November when Diwali was still on. So uh, I just, you know, you just have to plan ahead because there's so many moving parts that nothing will ever get done. If like I'm working on Mother's Day now, which is in May. So you, 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 as an organization, we work three, three months ahead. So that just always helps kind of, you know, understanding what your goal three months ahead is and then working backwards to make sure all your timelines are met, right? There's the product that needs to be made, the packaging that needs to be designed. This is a lot of uh, everything that goes into it, the marketing, all of that. So professionally, it's quite, it's much simpler now. And also because I've been doing it for 11 years, I kind of, you know, it's, it's not like I just woke up and I knew how to do this. It was a lot of trial and error, things that didn't make sense. You, you kind of understand how much time everything kind of takes and you form a routine, which eventually happened with me after 11 years of working. Um, but for my personal stuff, I mean, it's just that I like, so this year I have a couple. One of them is uh, the guitar, to play the guitar. And um, I saw this, um, this TED talk actually. So I watch a lot of like motivational things to keep me going. And I, I watched, a I don't remember by, I just, it's just on loop on YouTube whenever I'm doing anything at home. And there was this um, conversation with a guy who said that he is a super average guy. He's not like the smartest person, he's not, but the only thing that he really does and what works for him is consistency and discipline. So if he wants to, you know, do something, whether it is learn a new language, he gives himself 10 minutes every day and that's all he does. So he's like, for 10 minutes every day, I listen to one podcast about something. And he's like, then a year later, you look back at it and you say, oh, I learned a language this year. But it's not about, uh, you know, it's not really, uh, when you think about all the big things you achieve in life, it's usually broken down to like very small steps that get there. So that's what I kind of try to do for myself. So now when I'm learning the guitar, I just give myself 15 minutes every night before I sleep. I put on a YouTube like self-taught you know, like 10 day course, 12 day course, and I keep doing it on loop. And I said, I'm just not going to think about it every day for 15 minutes. It becomes a habit and I just do that. And then, you know, it's been now uh, two months since I've been doing that. And I can slowly, I can play songs now. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is great. You know, like I can sing happy birthday to my friends. That's, that's amazing. And some other stuff. So I, I also don't put um, a lot of like harsh expectations from, what I'm going to get out of this. It's not like, oh, in one week, I need to learn how to do this, this. It's like, no, I do it every day. Let me just get the basics right. Let my hand feel what it's supposed to feel like when I'm playing. And then, you know, after three months or four months, I'll kind of, you, you're training your brain to just kind of get used to the process, become, you know, more disciplined with just knowing that this is what you're doing. It becomes a habit. And then things become a lot easier. So with anything, you know, it, it, whether it's running, right? It was just about showing up, putting your shoes on, just going to practice almost, I did it four times a week or three, four times a week. And you're like, okay, I'm there. And that's all. I'm not thinking about like, oh, you know, am I, I, is, I am not, am I better than yesterday? Yes, of course. If you just keep doing it, that's the ideal goal of it. But I don't put too much pressure on myself, man. Like it's not about like measuring every little thing and being like, oh, on day one, I could do this. And day three, I should be able to do it. For me, it's more like after three weeks, I'm like, oh, this is easier now, you know, this is, this is better. Is this by chance the TED Talk where it's a guy who's an investment banker and then he like, he won the record for best knitting of weaves? Yes, that's a brilliant TED Talk. 
I just, I just saw that and I was like, you know, we make things so hard for ourselves because we think that we can't, you know, everything that's ever been achieved has just like, either we think that it's happened overnight or you have to be like extremely skilled, talented, etc., to make it happen, right? So for me, like growing up in Bombay in school, at least, I was just an average student. I was never the one who was excelling in school. I was, yes, hardworking always, but never one who would be like, I, I doubt people, you know, my friends who knew me in school, like when they, they're like, oh, we didn't see this happening, you know, because it's just like, okay, you're an average student, average grades, average everything. So only when I like moved away and I kind of found what I wanted to actually do was when I started excelling in it. But, you know, it's this belief that because you are a certain kind of person, only then can you train yourself to be, or, or you can achieve success or, or do new things, which I think is just, it's just habits and it's discipline. You know, I believe that if I can run a half marathon and, you know, or learn French and train, I'm, I'm, I'm not like the person who just gets things, you know, it, it takes time. So it should be easy for everyone to do so. Has it been like that with your business? Because I know, um, you know, Live 15, it's, it's a, it started with macaroons, right? And, and that was completely new to India. Um, like it must've been tough at first, or I might be making an assumption, but it must've been tough at first to get that knowledge out there, but you just kept having to push and push and push. Uh, what was that process like? Was it consistency that got it or was, what was it? It was, I mean, it, it was, and is this challenging every single day, but the challenge was not to get so much about getting the, the knowledge of the macaroons out there. The, the, you know, that, that was the easy part. I think like for me, um, talking about what I did or like getting people to try stuff or like, you know, it, it, that's the easy part for me. The harder part was the actual back end of the business, you know, at 23, trying to set up a kitchen, trying to hire people, pay deposits, you know, have people not ask you where your husband is or your father is or who's going to pay the bills. Like that stuff was challenging, you know, and then I just decided to ignore that and not kind of pay too much attention to it, but just focus on what I really love doing. But I definitely think it's consistency. Like it's just about like, you know, um, whether it was about, uh, you know, macaroons and every single day was only macaroons, macaroons, macaroons. And then, you know, it, it, you just kind of become that and um, definitely did help you know, in the beginning that there was, it was also the op being, you know, the right opportunity because pastry wasn't what it is, you know, what it wasn't 10 years ago, what it is today. And um, you had all these opportunities that were available to you. This was again before social media. So there was no like Instagram or any of that stuff. I had Facebook and I had a blog. So um, yeah, it's been quite interesting, but I think going back to your question, I think it's, it's about consistency, yes. Wow. Yeah. And I, I, my, my one question here is now you, you have grown Live 15 really big. You have an incredible social media following. You're, you're, you have so much opportunity, right? You're a best-selling author. How are you deciding what opportunities to focus on? Because I feel like that would probably be your challenge. And a lot of our challenges, even without that platform, we're thinking, oh, I could do this. I could do that. I could do this. But how do you zero in on that one thing to focus on? I mean, there's, there's always things that happen parallelly, right? So the, the main thing obviously is to grow low 15. And that's, that's the, the, you know, why I'm doing what I do. And um, 
I definitely want us, you know, to be in every city, to be in every home. I say this a lot, but I actually do want to see it happening. And we've, we've actually managed to, you know, like when I see orders coming in from Varanasi and Vishakhapatnam and all of us, I get really excited because I'm like, we've done this. Uh, but uh, the first priority is always to grow the business. And honestly, while the business grows, like I have to do what I have to do for myself to keep up with it. And then, you know, things just flow automatically. I, I don't really think about it too much. You know, I don't, um, I go with what makes me happy with what excites me. Uh, I'm a very, I find um, joy in the process. So for me, the process of creation is what really drives me, which is why I love uh, writing books or I love, um, you know, recording my podcast or I love, you know, building new products at Low 15 because that process of like, oh, I have a thought of something or I have an idea about something. And then to actually be able to hold it, to see it, to touch it is what like excites me and keeps me going. So I don't really care like once it's ready and then it has to go to the world i'm like yeah okay i'm, I'm done with the with you know that then i have to start over and be like okay what else kind of gives me that same joy so i like the process of creation and anything with whether it's um whether it's social media whether it's where you're creating something or it's uh, food or a product that you're creating it's kind of almost the same so do you do you ever like just sit and like say like shit, I, I did all of this in 11 years, or is it just always like on to the next? No, it's, it's almost as if every day starts, you just press start and it goes again. And it's, I forget, like I wouldn't, sometimes like I, if, if people have to ask me things about like, what have you done? And like, I was talking to somebody else the other day about all the, the collaborations that Low 15 has done in the past. And I had just forgotten most of them because I was like, oh, this was like eight years ago. I forgot that we collaborated with this great fashion designer or we did this or this. Because for me, it's almost as if like, okay, what is new today? And today we start from day one. So you don't look at anything that you've done in the past because there's no point focusing in it, right? How, for how much time can you just keep dwelling in what you've done and how great that thing was or, or the other way, like what you failed in. Um, you just keep looking forward. So that's what I do. At least I start every day afresh. Uh, okay. So I have two kind of questions here. Did you, did you build that mentality? And, and the second one was, which you can kind of include in that is, does that cause anxiety? Because I feel like never giving yourself a pat on the back and being like, look, you, you did a good job could cause anxiety. Actually, it, it's kind of freeing because you're not tied to any idea of, who you are, what you should be, or anything like that, right? Because it's just like, you, you don't think of it or yourself as anything. It's like, okay, I had a job, I had to do something, and it's done. And today I'm going to do something completely new. And, and you give yourself the room to fail at it. And it's not like, oh, I have to create something that has to be best-selling. Like and the thing is that that's what I, I think it's very important because I'm writing my sixth book now. And, um, you know, through the process, the other books have won awards, they've won, you know, they've been selling, we've, you know, broken records by how many books we sold in India in the food space. And if I sat with that in my head and tried to create something new, the pressure of that would be a lot worse than me just saying that that didn't exist at all. So today when, I, when I'm working on the book, I'm not thinking of any of those things. I'm just thinking of what is it that I want from this? What is it that really makes me happy while doing this. And I think what 
the thing about consistency is that you approach everything with the same passion and the same sort of this is i'm going to give it my 100% and leave room for failure because if it you know as long as you know that you've done the best that you could that's all to me that's all that's that's the reward you know if i if i do something half assed and then it doesn't do well then i'm like okay you know that that's all i i deserve that kind of but as long as you know you've done really well and you've put in everything in it and then don't be attached to the outcome so i've kind of reached that stage where i'm like outcome is not important yes obviously you want the best outcome but it will happen if you focus on the job at hand and then you know that that, that should just be automatic that's that's really awesome like focusing on the process and i think that's where a lot of us get lost you know when when something is taking a long time you're thinking you know i just want the results but if you enjoy it it's it's awesome in the process and i want to ask you do you have like um a failure that you actually look back and you say now i love that that happened because that led to x y and z so many so many i mean every every uh, i'm a big believer in uh opportunity finding opportunities in in, in a crisis and um since the beginning it could be a, a store that failed or um, you know having someone steal a lot of money from me uh you know an accountant that stole a lot of money which actually you know changed my mindset about how i should approach my business to last just last year that we were like we had to figure out what to do with the business because covid hit and we were you know we had all these plans of expanding the business and we didn't know uh, what was going to happen and we had to take that tough decision of shutting half the business down we had to shut our cafes uh, i had to downsize and go from a, a team of 100 to a team of 30 and take all those calls completely in isolation during the pandemic and um, i mean in hindsight it was the best thing that could have ever happened to us because not only are we you know uh, more profitable today as a company than we've ever been in 11 years because we just had to like you know go really lean and really every person was like what is the purpose of this person in this company what are they doing um you know your your real estate costs just go down everything and um, we just focused on what you know the package goods business is what we were really getting towards but a lot of my energy was going into running the cafe and other things and now it's just like it's renewed focus so um while it could have been like you know if you think about oh i had to shut half my business down could, someone could look at it as like oh this would be my biggest failure after 10 years of working but i look at it and think that this was the best thing that could have happened to us because now it just gives me the better to just kind of go and and really move towards the path that i'm supposed to be on that's like that's incredible but it sounds like a really tough decision at the time how do you how did you make that call it's it's huge i mean it it, it was firstly it was at just almost at the start of covid was you know first week of april where i had to take this call uh, it was isolating because i was all alone in my room you know you're, you're not with your team you know you're not with the decision makers um it was just it was nothing made sense like obviously this was not you know something that i would opt to do it was not something that i would naturally do 
but I was left with no choice. I had, you know, we were not a tech company. Most restaurants, food and beverage, their cash flow business, you rely on money that comes in to keep you going. And um, once that, that tap stops, I mean, what do you do, right? We, I don't have deep pockets. I don't have, you know, wealth just lying around that I just pump into the business. So I had to like survive. And what was it that I could, I could either shut everything down, which I had conversations with lawyers to see. Um, I mean, I had to make a tool. I had to make a pros and cons list. I have it, you know, I hope someday it'll be a book, but I have a pros and cons list, which I had to look at to keep low 15, to close it down. And I had all of that that was going on. I spoke to like lawyers to check for insolvency. I did all of that, you know, and then I just looked at, the best thing that I could do in that moment then. And I knew that if I, if I let go of this part of the business, I could keep everything else. And I made the decision based on that. Wow. Wow. <laughs> how, how, yeah, I'll, I'll get into the wrapping up questions here, but how do you stay, you know, mentally strong during those kind of times? Do you have any habits or routines that you have to make sure you do? Oh, it's tough. It's not easy at all. And anyone who thinks it's easy is probably lying. Uh, for me, especially as, you know, being someone who's so emotional with and so attached to the work that I do, uh, this is like a baby that I've grown and raised and all of that. So um, the one thing that I was really proud of, uh, of myself was that I was able to detach the emotions from the business decision. And um, that was something that I was super proud of that I'd achieved that I'd come to this where it's not about, you know, oh, I love this and I want to keep this. And this is, you know, I put in my five years of my life doing this, but it was more like it just, you know, monetarily just didn't make sense. So that was, you know, to, to have that was great. But going back to your question of what to do, I think for me, <laughs> it was a lot of crying in the beginning. And um, no, it was just having like conversations with people that really helped. I had uh, a few entrepreneur friends who, who run businesses who've seen, um, you know, like Rohan Mitchandani from Epigamia, for example, was of great support because I would call him often and be like, you know, this is what I'm going through and he would help me think things through. So I was very lucky in that aspect to have a lot of people that I could reach out to who've been in situations like this before, who could help me through all of that. Uh, just focusing on the day and saying, okay, I'm going to take this one moment at a time, one day at a time and not think of it as, you know, overwhelmed with what the future will look like, but what is the best thing that I can do today? And I think that's what really helped me like kind of, you know, survive last year. Wow. And uh, it's funny that you bring up Rohan. He's also been on the show. And uh, I think one of your other friends during your training for the marathon, Shamal, has also been on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shamal's great. So Shamal, that's, that's the, the one thing. So when I wanted to run the marathon, I called Shamal. And he was like, yeah, you'll do it. And I said, oh, three months is enough. And he's like, you know, you, he's like, you don't train your body, you train your mind. And I was like, okay, okay. Let's, let's, let's start training the mind first. So he's like, that's, you know, if it's, if it's on here, it'll be on everywhere else. Wow. So I, I think Puja, that's a great place to wrap up. I just have a few quick fire questions. One of them is I heard that you want to be Oprah. Why, why is that? 
It's my childhood dream. I want to be in a room and be like, you get a car, you get a car. I don't know. I just, I just love the fact that um, you can bring joy and happiness to so many lives and uh, just selfless giving. And I would like to be that someday. Wow. And, and my last question is, and you can take a second to think about this, but it's what's the, what's the weirdest thing about you? What's the weirdest thing about me? I just think that I, what's the weirdest thing? Take your time. This, this always stumps people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I mean, I don't know what's, it's probably really normal to me, but it's probably weird to other people. I don't know. Um, I just, I love meeting people and getting to know them and their stories. And I think that, and I'm always, I think that my level of energy uh, is very difficult for most people to keep up with because I can really just all day be like, okay, let's do this, let's do this, let's do that. And I've seen this when I'm on holiday with friends that, you know, at six o'clock I'll be like, wait, what are we doing next? And they'll be like, we're done for the day, you know? So I think the weird thing is just this energizer bunny energy that I have. Amazing. And I have a thousand questions about that, but I think we can do that on another time. Pooja, I, I really learned so much from this conversation. I loved it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks to everybody for listening. See you guys in the next one. Well, hello there again. Thank you for watching that clip from my full podcast with Pooja Dingra. If you want to listen to the entire conversation, go here. There's going to be a link popping up on the screen, hopefully. And there will be a link in the comment section below. So check it out. If you love this clip, I'm sure you're gonna love the full conversation. And make sure to subscribe if you want more of these type of little clips from our full podcasts. Thanks again and see you all in the next one.